On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. This is a parable about love, other-centered love. Love. Jesus has this conversation with this lawyer in the first century, and these lawyers, they knew the good book. Okay, they knew the Old Testament front and back, and they're often seen as bad guys throughout the New Testament because they often try and trap Jesus. They want letter of the law rather than intent of the law. And this particular lawyer wants to think of himself as a good person. He wants his worldview validated. We all do. And in approaching Jesus, he gets more than he bargained for. So he asks, who is my neighbor? Scholars say that this is a way of asking, who's not my neighbor? Or where is the line between neighbor and not neighbor? Or maybe even, who can I exclude and not feel guilty about it? He wanted to justify what he already believed. He wanted to justify what he wanted to be true. Not what was actually true. So he asked the question, who is my neighbor? Or what are the limits of my caring? When can I quit? You see, God wants obedience and we want options. We are often like that expert in the law and we try and reduce God's commands to something that we could live with. Loving our neighbor then comes to mean doing nice things for people who will probably do nice things back to you. This is probably what the expert in the law was thinking. Martin Luther King Jr., the night before he was assassinated, preached a sermon on this very parable, the Good Samaritan. He said this, on the parable of the Good Samaritan, I imagine that the first question the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? 
But by the very nature of his concern, the Good Samaritan reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? Life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? See, this is the question that the Samaritan focused in on, this Christ-like posture of putting others above yourself, but not just others, but it's putting the hurting above yourselves, putting the weak above yourself. And as we'll soon discover, putting the people that you dislike above yourself. You see, Jesus here uses a very typical three-character story. Uh, See, we have discovered in ancient documents throughout um, Israel that this was a common way for rabbis to teach. They would teach a, this three-character model. They would say there was a priest, there was a Levite, and there was an Israelite. And then the Israelite, the layperson, the common man, just like everybody else, always turned out to be the hero. And so Jesus here subverts it. He subverts this metaphor by saying that it wasn't an Israelite that was the hero, but it was a Samaritan. N.T. Wright, leading New Testament scholar, said that Jesus specifically crafted the parable of the Good Samaritan to shock his audience. You see, the Jewish people and the Samaritans actually hated each other. They hated the look of the other. They hated the religious practices of the other. And they had this violent history. You see, for the Jews, there is nothing more sacred than their temple. And when the Samaritans discovered this, they decided to grab a bunch of bones. Bones were of dead animals and dead people, and they scattered them throughout the temple so as to desecrate the most sacred of symbols of the Jewish people. And the Jewish people, what was their response? Well, they sent a huge army to slaughter the priests and to destroy the temple in Samaria. See, these kinds of stories are lingering in the background of of the hatred and vitriol between these two groups of people. Centuries of religious and political hatred and violence created a great animosity between the two. And the tension and animosity between these two groups of people is so great that the lawyer in our story cannot even say the word Samaritan. Instead, he calls him the one who was merciful. Couldn't even say the name. Couldn't say the word. And this animosity that was between these two groups of people should make the love and the generosity shown by this good Samaritan even more piercing. Verse 33 says this, Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. And the Greek word here for compassion is splanknizomai. It's a very vivid one. It refers to uh, like the intestines or the bowels, something deep within. And it may sound gross, but it's, it's this... I had this gut feeling that I had to do something. And the word compassion means to suffer with. It doesn't mean to feel bad for. It means to suffer alongside of. And that's just what he does. Several things demonstrate the great love that this Samaritan has. Number one, his act of love is of great personal cost. Not only does he use his own bandages to bring healing to the man, but he also puts him on his own donkey, and then now he has to walk to the destination. And when he arrives there, he gives the amount of two days wages, and then he says, if there's any other expenses that are incurred to help bring full healing to this man, I will come back and settle then. 
The care he offers is excessive. It goes far beyond the bare necessities. Number two, his act of great love is of great risk for him. You see, this is an act, actual historical road. And it was notoriously very narrow and very dangerous. Everyone knew that it was a dangerous road. That's why Jesus chose this road to tell this story. And so by helping this man, the Samaritan is exposing himself to perhaps the same attackers that just beat up this bloody man. Or this is all a ruse. And as he goes to approach the bloodied man, he's trapped by the robbers himself. And so this is of great personal risk. And number three, his act of love comes across a great ideological gap. See, as we noted earlier, Jesus' day, the, the Samaritans and the Jews simply hated each other. This is a message about loving our enemies. The excessive, risky love that breaks social divides that Jesus teaches us about is not common in the first century. And it's also not common in our day. And even though it's not common, it is precisely the hope of Jesus and his expectation for us to do these crazy love things just like the Samaritan. Acts of costly, risky love that crosses social divides. And Jesus here, he details in a series of six verbs just how active this man's compassion was. And if you have your Bibles open to Luke chapter 10, I want you to highlight these words, these action words. This is compassion and love acted out. He went to him. He bandaged his wounds. He poured oil and wine on his wounds. He put him on his donkey. He brought him to an inn. He took care of him. See, the Samaritan let go of his own personal to-do list, his hard-earned money, and even his own safety in order to show love to a stranger. No joke, on my way here, on my way to record, uh, on my way to record a sermon on the parable of the Good Samaritan, I'm driving on 99 North, and I see a car with a flat tire on the side and a, a young mom holding a baby and, and a, a guy trying to fix. And so I am just... It, I mean, it's entrapment, okay? Like, if you're going to preach on the Good Samaritan and you're driving to a church to record and you see this someone on the side of the road in need of help, you, I had to respond. I'm not even like, saying that I'm a good spiritual person. It was entrapment, right? Like, I had to respond. And so I pulled over and I, I tried to help as best as I could. And they couldn't get the, the, the car jack out of their car, and so I had to get it out of my truck. And then we're helping jack, you know, jack this car up as, as cars are flying by on the freeway, and this mom's holding this baby. I had to respond. It was risky. I got my mask on. I've got my sanitizer on. I'm spraying, you know, every area as I'm getting back into my car to make sure there's no germs. There's a little bit of a risk. The way of Jesus is the way of risky love. This cost him a lot. And when it comes to compassion, loving our neighbor, if it doesn't cost, it doesn't count. Simply put, we must ask, what is the most loving action? I once read this, that, that before I say, do, act, or react, 
I first try to view all things through the lens of love. Yes. All kinds of yes to that. Oh, how it would change our lives. Instead of snapping at my spouse or at my kids, I choose to see what's best in them. Instead of throwing the fit because the order was wrong or they messed up on something, I show grace and compassion. Before speaking that insult that you know would get a laugh at the expense of someone else, no, I view them through the lens of love that Jesus has for all of us. That kind of love, that could change the world. Love must become our filter for all things. C.S. Lewis said that I believe in Christ like I believe in the sun. Not because I can see it, but by it I can see everything else. Yes, love is like that. Love is like light. Is it something that we see or is it something by which we see everything else? And I just want us to pause and remember that this story is so offensive to a first century Jewish person. There was extreme stereotyping and blunt racism on both sides. This, this phrase, Good Samaritan, it's found our way into our regular vocabulary, but it's not in the Bible. You'll never find the words good and Samaritan next to each other. No, it would have been an oxymoron. An oxymoron are two words that are complete opposites that are posed next to each other. Good Samaritan would have been this. It's a common phrase now but it was an unbelievably radical phrase in the first century. Now, if you read this story and all you get from it is that you need to help people who are in need, you're missing the scandal. The point of our story is so much bigger and better than that. Jesus is telling this story and the Jews are listening. And he says that the Samaritan comes along. And the Jews are thinking, what's going to happen now? Is this is this Samaritan going to put this guy out of his misery? Is he going to look and scavenge to see if, if the robbers left some mo more money and he's going to take the rest of the money? The furthest thing from their minds is that this Samaritan would help a wounded man. This is why the story is so offensive. And there's something to this. Because if Jesus were illustrating our need to love our enemies, then the man in the ditch would have been the Samaritan who is cared for by an Israelite. If Jesus' point was to love our enemies, the roles would have been reversed. It would have been a Samaritan in a ditch and an Israelite helping him. But it's even more scandalous than that. You see, your enemy is the one who does good. And not only that, your enemy is the one that you should emulate. He's not telling us to love our enemy. He's challenging the way that we even think about our enemies. See, how you look at people will determine how you love people. And when we look at people the wrong way, it's really hard to love them the right way. This is the heart of God. Now we turn our attention away from the Samaritan and towards the priest and the Levite that walk past the wounded man. And I really think that at the heart of this parable, there is a challenge to the religious establishment. You see, the priest and the Levite, the priest was, uh, uh, worked in the temple. He was a religious leader. A Levite was of the priestly tribe or the priestly class. And these two demonstrate that religious living can get in the way of what God wants to do in and through you. You see, there are some very religious rules in the letter of the law that almost justified or prevented these religious people from helping. Number one, the fact that blood or dead things desecrate or make you ritually unclean. 
They make you ceremonially unclean. And so for this priest and this Levite to touch and help someone who's dead or that there's, they might get blood on them, uh, they will be unable to perform their religious duties. And so the law of God prevents them from helping. Letter of the law. But they miss the heart of God. You see, with Jesus, it's love, not rules that rule. It's not rules that rule. It's love for Jesus. It's the intent of the law. When we're lost in religious activity, we miss the mercy and compassion we can be showing to those who are hurting all around us. If your religion doesn't have room to become ritually unclean in the name of love, then you're not following Jesus of Nazareth. The religion of the priest and the Levite led them to inaction. The, the priest and the Levite, they, they grabbed coffee afterwards, okay? And they probably had a religious conversation. What's this world coming to? Somebody's got to do something about that, leaving someone for dead. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. They probably felt bad for the man. And that's us. We feel bad. And one of the ways we excuse ourselves from doing good is by feeling bad. Our problem is we're feeling bad when we should be doing good. We're feeling bad like the priest and the Levite, and we should be doing good like the Samaritan. He was moved to action. And the irony here is hilarious for a first century audience because the road was so narrow. Okay, here's a photo of the road between Jerusalem and Jericho that there's almost a hint of humor or comedy in the story. Do you realize how much effort that the priest and the Levite have to use to pass by along the other side of the road? They're tiptoeing. They're scooching. They're using every ounce of ability they have to avoid getting involved. To maintain our indifference, it takes great effort at blindness and avoidance. And as Christ followers, Christ crossing on the other side is not an option. Martin Luther King Jr. In closing his sermon, on the parable of the Good Samaritan, said this, No longer can we be engaged in the luxury of passing by on the other side. Such folly was once moral failure, can only lead now to universal suicide. As you leave this place of worship, my friends, go out with the conviction that all men are brothers tied in a single garment of destiny. In the final analysis, I must not ignore the wounded man on life's Jericho road because he is part of me and I am part of him. His agony diminishes me and his salvation enlarges me. In just a few moments, we're going to sing a song, Amazing Grace, how sweet this sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. So fitting, because the amazing grace that God shows us, the amazing love that God shows us, we also are to sh show to others. And we end our time together in studying Luke chapter 10. We read verses 36 and 37. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same.